We're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, the final hour before we kick off our weekends here. Joined by Haley Salvian, covering for Justin Cuthbert today as he's off on vacation for the next week. Haley, appreciate you joining. We're almost there. You're almost ready for your nap time. You're killing it. I know it's not a regular wake-up time for you, so you keep crushing it. And what a way to send off your Friday than with a three-time Stanley Cup champ, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, who's currently a special advisor to the Hurricanes, GM Don Waddell as well, and a Conn Smythe Award winner. Your your whole intro is a bit too lengthy at this point. Uh, you got too much <laughs> going on there, Justin. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Oh, that's fine. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> um, so I know you started the, the next chapter of your hockey career, and, you know, watching you as a player was always a thrill, and now you've you've transitioned, and I want to know how that next part of being involved in the hockey world has been going for you. Well, I mean, I guess to answer your question, I mean, I, I participated in my first alumni hockey event <laughs> a few months ago here, so there's that. I never really thought when my career started I'd be an alumni but here we are and, and the next chapter is just kind of moving right into it and uh, it's been fine I've been busy I've been I have plenty of uh, things that occupy my mind uh, other than hockey but uh, hockey's right up there with number one did you get a clutch goal in that uh, alumni game or are you just more of a distributor <laughs> well I the main goal of that thing was was Rod Brendamore's team had never lost yet in the alumni game, so I had to make sure uh, that I did that. And maybe I tried a little bit harder than I needed to, but uh, we got it done. Well, you know, that was going to be a follow-up question for you, Justin, is what's it like facing off against Rod Brendamore in 2023? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure you would appreciate uh, listen, that. I, yeah, well, I spent a lot of spent a lot of time playing with him, um, coaching or uh, you know being coached by him. Um, now being against him on alumni and and uh, now trying to help build this team into a winner. And, you know, from the, the kind of new perspective or, or kind of perch that you have in the organization after playing there and now you're in this position as a special advisor to Don Waddell, like what have you kind of seen uh, or, you know, appreciate differently about this current kind of Canes roster? I know um, it's been, I guess, a difficult stretch when injury-wise, you know, Andrei Svechnikov, uh, is out for the season. Max Pacioretty comes back and he's hurt again. But the team has still been able to kind of put together wins, put together points, still one of the top teams in the league. They clinch a playoff spot last night for the fifth straight season. You know, what's kind of your view on the Carolina Hurricanes from your current spot, Justin? Wow. Uh, I mean, I I think you, you hit it there pretty well. That You know, we expected a lot of goals out of Max Pacioretty and, and Andre Sveshnikov this year. And, and when you're taking you know, 60, 65, 70 goals out of the lineup. I mean, that's that's a huge hole that, that, that you can't just fill. Um, so, you know, you got to rely on your structure, rely on your coaching, rely on your leadership, and rely on players on your own squad to elevate. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, it remains to be seen, um, you know, where that ends up, you know, how far we can push ourselves and, and, and how playoffs go. But, I mean, this team has has, has been extremely resilient. Um, you know, clinching a playoff spot with with ten games left in the regular season, and 
and a really tough Eastern Conference is, is really something that, uh, um, you know, we should be proud of. Yeah, this Eastern Conference and the Metro in general has been really fun to follow. Obviously, we're on the East Coast, and uh, the playoff picture has been set, at least for the Maple Leafs, for a while. But what's going on in terms of with the Canes and the Rangers and the Islanders and uh, the Devils, of course, has been really, really interesting to follow. Um, I guess it's a pretty fun market to play in as well. And Haley and I were talking off the air about the, you know, the growing hockey market that's there, the bunch of jerks fan base, and just the enjoyment level that seems to be building in Carolina. Like, what's What's the temperature like in the fan base, especially as you approach a season where you got something to prove and, and you're clearly on your way to making some noise here in the regular season? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, this 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 town has, has really, really embraced the Canes, and there was like a little lull there after the Stanley Cup in 2006. Um, but the Caniacs are back. You know, this <laughs> this arena. I was talking to um, a player on Tampa Bay and. Um, a few days ago, and he was just like, it actually is a really, really tough place to play, and um, that's kind of what you want to hear from the opposition. Uh, having, having, um, you know, the PNC Center a tough place to play, a place where um, you know teams can just come in and 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 get two points. It's not like that. Um, everything is earned when you're on the ice here, but it's uh, it's been a fun little ride to see it grow in the community and and see the building every night. Last night it was, it was a great atmosphere against the Rangers. Um, you know, ended up on the short end of the stick, but um, it's 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 pretty raucous in there, and it's it's an enjoyable place for for our players to play. I've actually been to several games in Raleigh like before I got into this industry when I was younger, uh, you know, growing up outside of Toronto, going to Leafs games just wasn't an option. So we would actually take road trips to North Carolina and like go to Chapel Hill and then go to a Canes mm-hmm. game. And, uh, you know, just the going in and seeing like the tailgate culture and how different and fun it is. Uh, I definitely recommend anyone listening to go check out a game in Raleigh. You know, my question for you, though, Justin, is how would you describe the impact that Rod Brindamore has had, not just on, like, the growth of hockey in in Raleigh, because he's been there, I mean, from the start, once the team went to Raleigh, or went back to Raleigh, I should say, um, you know, and on the culture and the way that this Canes team kind of plays and the identity that they have? Well, I mean, I think you, you, you take the identity, the team – the team should take the identity of the coach. Uh, I mean, that's what it is. He conveys his message to the players. Um, you know, the captain conveys that message and continues to convey that uh, amongst the players. And and really, you're um, you're living and you're ensconced in what um, you know the coach's um, culture is. And he's instilled a great one here. Um, you know, Jordan Stahl has 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 continued that and and set the standard for every player that, that, that comes into this room that, um, you know, there's a certain way we play. And, and there's, uh, there's no, uh, no excuses for that. Um, you might not win every game, uh, but you're going to put your best effort in, that's for sure. Justin, what's your favorite rodism? <laughs> My favorite rodism is just watching him speak because uh, <laughs> if, if, you know, anyone has ever has ever seen it. He's he's very animated. Yeah. Um, he's intense. Um, you know, he's walking up and down. His arms are going all over the place. Hey, you really feel the emotion that comes from him, and that's why guys kind of gravitate and and want to play for him, and because because they feel that emotion, they feel that care, they feel that want, um, and they feel the passion that that he he has, and and it really just oozes out of him, and it, it really just uh, encapsulates exactly what our team is. 
we had Rod Brindamore on one of the podcasts that I host at The Athletic, and, and you know, he was great. He was super fun, and he did roast me at one point <laughs> because I was asking him about Brent Burns. You know, is he going to play a different role in this Canes offense? He's like, Haley, why the heck would I change a damn thing <laughs> that Brent Burns has done? He's a number one defenseman. He's going to come here. He's going to do exactly what he needs to do. He's not going to change a thing, and I got yelled at by Rod Brindamore and was violently humbled. <laughs> But it was fun, though. I appreciate it. I was like, wow. Thank you. <laughs> You're not the only one. You're not the only one. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Justin Williams. Um, you're a special advisor to the Hurricanes as well. So we've, we're seeing them tomorrow night. The Maple Leafs are on the road uh, to face them at uh, 7 p.m. And I wonder from the outside looking in, I mean, we're very much involved in the way the Maple Leafs look, uh, you know, stacking up towards the playoffs. What do you think the Leafs team identity is uh, this season? Uh, well, I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of people just like you guys that have that are going to make the road trip down to to Raleigh to enjoy the game. So there'll be some Leafs fans in attendance, and that really just creates a really good atmosphere down there for sure. Um, but I mean, I, listen, the the Leafs um, they do look a little bit different. I don't know if they feel a little bit different to someone who sees them uh, day after day. I, I wish a lot of success on the Leafs. You know, obviously they need to just kind of forget about what's happened and just look at the present. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is there's the end of the season, there's only one happy team anyway. There's mm-hmm. 31 other teams wondering how the heck things went wrong and, 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 and how can we be that last team standing at the end of the year. And, um, you know, the Leafs have put themselves in a great position once again. Um, as one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And listen, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but the margin of error is, is, is extremely, extremely tiny. Um, a lot of intangibles go into um, winning playoff series. And a lot of the times, as Leafs fans know, um, the first round is, is, is when teams are healthiest and then sometimes the hardest one to win. So this trade deadline, the Maple Leafs went out and addressed a couple of those needs that might be the reason why they make it past that first round, as you mentioned. And one of them is adding a former Con Smythe winner and Ryan O'Reilly to the roster. Now he's a proven winner, um, and so are you. So I wonder what having someone with that playoff experience can do to a team, especially at the trade deadline, when it gives maybe a boost that we're going all in, we're doing this, we're, we're not thinking about the future, we're thinking about this season in general and maybe what Ryan O'Reilly might be able to do to propel this team to at least the second round. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I think if the Leafs get to the second round, they're they're still not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would assume not. So, I mean, you're you're looking to to win um, you know, every round you play. You got to expect every round is going to be a seventh game, but I guess with regards to Ryan O'Reilly, it's it's I would assume it'd be nice for players to look around and 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 know that someone in that room um, you know, him, you know, Jake Muzzin, you know, although he's not playing, um, you know, they've brought in guys who, who have had success and it's, it's, it's a comforting, it's a, it's pretty comforting. I'm sure to look around and be like, all right, this guy's been there. He can maybe teach us a couple things. We can maybe learn a couple things from him. Um, but you know, at the same time, you can't change, um, you know, overall the way you play out there. Um, you know, the Leafs have been great all season. Uh, they've been one of the most consistent teams in hockey. Um, but, you know, when playoffs starts, um, everything's kind of reset to zero. Uh, it doesn't really matter. 
And and who the heck who the heck cares what you're going to play in the first round? Uh, you're going to get a great team, but obviously the Leafs know who the heck they're playing. They're going to play. Yeah, they've known for quite a while, and they've been sizing them up, uh, going to head to head down the stretch here, looking for home ice advantage um, in general. Just kind of looking at uh, how to get to the Boston Bruins in that final round. There, um, the trade deadline also raised a couple questions here for Maple Leafs fans because they added quite a few players. Um, some people think maybe they added too much, and they've been tweaking a little bit with the chemistry. They've been doing a lot of line switches, 11 and 7, having guys up and down the lineup. Can you add too much? Can you tinker too much with the roster uh, before it really matters in the playoffs? And, and how important is it over the next you know, two weeks for the Maple Leafs to find the right fit for the puzzle pieces? Yeah, I think it's more about, more about depth. Um, you're bringing in players um, that... You know, if somebody goes down, that next person in isn't just filling space. He's there to be an impact, right? I mean, you're not just you're not just getting players to be like, oh, okay, he can, you know, he can fill some space and give us some minutes. You know, you want to bring in impact players, and um, you know, that's why the trade deadline is a few months before. Um, you you have time to to get acclimated to your new team, to figure out how guys might work together, work well together, and you know. That's on you know that's on the coach to figure that out, and uh, it seems like he's he's doing a phenomenal job. You know, Carolina Hurricanes, Toronto Maple Leafs facing off tomorrow on Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, puck drops at seven. Somebody that I mean, Austin Matthews is probably going to match up a lot against. Going to see a lot of is Sebastian Ajo. Uh, he's a thirty goal guy again. I don't love the underrated conversation because I think sometimes players can be underrated for far too long, like Barkov, you know, being the most underrated player in the league five years in a row. Uh, don't love it personally. Like, are you finally rated yeah. properly? <laughs> but I do wonder, Justin, like, is, is Ajo one of the most underrated number one centers and 30 goal scorers in the league right now? Uh, it's Listen, it's, it's tough to say. I've had, um, you know, these the markets that we play in obviously aren't as large <laughs> as, as some of the other players who mm-hmm. get a, a ton of attention and that's fine. Um, you know, it has its perks, but it has its disadvantages as well. You know, on the, on, on, you know, the world scale, um, you might not be as noticed as much, but you know, listen, we know what we have. And it's, I guess as far as Barkoff being underrated, I think he's <laughs> making a pretty penny. So I think they value him pretty well down there in Florida. So, um, listen, Ajo's is a phenomenal player. He's 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 one heck of a leader for us. Um, his 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 attitude is is really exactly um, kind of what encapsulates the Hurricanes. I mean, he he has a a, a little bit of a streak in him that um, you know he can get he can get pissed off and and he can get annoyed and um, he's not someone that's going to wilt under the pressure. He's he's a guy that's going to go out there and. He gets knocked down. He's he's going to get back up and back up and back up. And um, you know he's he's been a great player for us for a while. And and we hope to have him in the fold for uh, the rest of his career. You know, one more for you from me, Justin. Just kind of looking at this Canes team as we kind of preview and look ahead to the game for tomorrow night. How how would you evaluate the season that Marty Natchez is putting together? Well, I think it's been phenomenal. He's certainly taken a step, right? I mean, you have these players, um, you know, in your lineup that at the start of the season, you hope um, make those steps. And obviously he was one of them. You have, you know, you have good players who are looking to be, um, you know, um, more impact players. Um, you have stars who are looking to be superstars. Um, you have 
um, rookies who are looking to be everyday players. You always have players you're looking to and, and, and want them to take that next step because you need them to for you to get better. And, um, you know, Nate just is one of those guys who's, who's really elevated his game. We knew he was really good. Um, you know, this, this, this year he's kind of having a little breakout, um, which is great. He's, he's um, I think if, when you watch Hurricanes games, he's, you notice him out there. And, and that's, that's what stars do, right? It just looks a little bit different. It looks a little bit easier. And once they get the puck on their stick, you, you kind of perk up a little bit and say, oh, what's he going to do with it? And um, obviously the Leafs have a couple of those players as well. Um, but uh, it's certainly nice to see uh, a couple in the Hurricanes jersey. If not for the Boston Bruins, I think we'd be focused a little bit more on the Hurricanes season and maybe gushing about them more. But Boston has just done an outstanding job at bringing another record-breaking performance almost every night. I, you know, every every time I turn on Twitter, there's another record that the Bruins have broken that has stood for 60, 80 years. Now, how do you try to beat a team like that they are the goliath looming in the distance and the maple leafs have to size up and so do a lot of these eastern conference teams against a a team that is doing historically incredible things do you see a weakness in that roster or anything that you can exploit in the smallest fraction to be able to beat the boston bruins this season well i mean listen it doesn't it doesn't appear that way that there are any chinks in the armor right now right i mean to, to win to win in the playoffs, you you need a little bit of luck too. So you need a healthy team, um, and and you know obviously that remains to be seen. That's why players are, and teams load up at the deadline to um, to to be able to um, you know weather the storm of a couple injuries here and there because in the playoffs you know they can happen. That can happen a lot more. Guys are getting in just a little bit more of the shot lanes, um, finishing checks. There are just. Um, a little bit more than usual, and everything is just amped up a little bit more. So, uh, obviously, staying healthy is is a key for every team. Uh, but Boston, you know, to answer your question, has, has <laughs> it's it's sometimes you just have to tip your cap to the season that they've that they've had and and the records that they're breaking. That's that's great. I mean, there is a little bit there is a little bit of nuance to it. The fact that you know I played back in the day where there were ties and these records that they're mm. breaking there actually were ties <laughs> um, but that doesn't take away from the phenomenal season that they've that they've had and that they've put together and um, I'm sure they uh, feel that they set themselves up perfectly for uh, a nice little long run between the Boston Bruins and Connor McDavid, a lot of records have fallen this season. Um, last one for you here. You're no, you know, you're known as Mr. Game 7, uh, Mr. Captain Clutch. But I wonder, do you think you're more clutch than Marie-Philippe Poulin? Because you guys could be, you know, 1A, 1B when it comes to scoring clutch moments. <laughs> she does. She has an absolute rocket of a shot. <laughs> I mean, that's, she can get that thing off so quickly, but... Uh, um, yeah, she's had, she's had a really, really impressive career and, and what the women have done in Canada and um, the U.S. here, too. Um, it, it's, it's really fun to watch. <laughs> well, having you guys on the same line would be an absolute treat. Maybe one day in your, in your <laughs> alumni games we can make that happen. I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Uh, great to catch up um, and enjoying you know, hearing about the second part of, of your hockey career here as your special advisor to the Hurricanes and um, being able to be an alumni out there on the ice. I'm sure it's enjoyable for you and you're keeping busy. So I appreciate joining us this morning and enjoy the rest of the season. All right, good. You too. Enjoy the rest of your morning. Thanks so much. That was Justin Williams, uh, former NHL forward, of course, three-time Stanley Cup champ and Conn Smythe 
winner working with the Hurricanes GM Don Waddell and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. You got a OT game. You got either Marie-Philippe Poulin on the bench or Justin Williams, both in their primes. You need a clutch moment. It's just like putting Manoa or Gosman in. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> I think it's Poulin, though, because yeah, three yeah, Olympic yeah. gold medals have been won on her stick. Of She's course, the only course. player, male or female, to score in four Olympic gold medal games. I'm sorry, Justin Williams. <laughs> Thank you for the time. But I'm going with I'm going with Captain Canada over here. It's exciting because the women's worlds are right around the corner. I know you'll be heavily uh, invested and involved in covering that. I'm hoping to get to as many games as possible. But there's something about a clutch gene. I don't know how you how you get it. You're born with it. You just have a different level of fortitude to be able to come up clutch in those moments. We've seen it with Justin Williams. We see it all the time with Marie Philippe It's special. It's really special. I'm jealous. It's a really annoying thing as somebody who writes for a living and tries to do stories like this, because it's, it's one of those things that I've tried to do in the past of like, how does she keep doing this? And it's an impossible, it's an impossible, I don't know. Oh my God. You know, well, you know, Brian is the one that passed (laughs) puck, but then Jenner's me like, no, no, she's amazing. Um, but you try to ask people like how the how does she keep doing this? Mm. And it's not really something that can be explained when you're trying to figure out like how Mary Philippe Houlin is is so clutch and how at 31 years old she seems to be even better than she was like four or five years ago. I mean, this is the best player in the world who just keeps getting better and better and better. So yeah, she's a tough one to crack. She's a hard person to write about because there isn't a whole lot to say other than, wow, she's amazing, which, you know, it's not easy to just write. I mean, maybe that's where we use your favorite hey, word. Hey, my new word, uh, ex- exuberation. exuberation. There you she's, go. She'll have some of that. There's tons of exuberation when she has the puck on her stick. I got a <laughs> humble brag, not so humbly. Uh, yesterday, I received a package in the mail and I went down to get it yeah. addressed to my dog, Bunker, and it was from... Marie-Philippe Poulin's dog, Arlo. Arlo sent my dog a little welcome to the family package. So now our dogs are pen pals. And I got a nice little care package from Arlo with some stuffed animals, some chew toys, a couple treats. So she's even a wonderful dog mom that sent my dog a little gift. So And I actually have a little story too. Um, One of my colleagues, his daughter... She's younger, like playing minor hockey. She wears number 29 for Mary Philippe Poulin. They went to the PWHPA showcase. Or it wasn't a showcase. It was the OHL games that Mm -hmm. were happening. That was cool. And Peterborough brought his daughter. um, And and she met Poulin. And I saw the photo. Oh my God. It looked, this little girl looked like she was trying not to scream and (laughs) cry. Oh, you every time. (laughs) That was you when the package arrived yesterday. Merci. And it was just, you know, kind of hearing from, from my colleague about the interaction. It was, you know, like Mary Philippe Poulin made his daughter feel like she was the only person on the planet for like five minutes Mm -hmm. of her life. Mm -hmm. And and she is somebody who, she's very humble. She's very shy. She will not talk about herself, but she will always like take the time with young fans. And she is somebody who understands the platform that she has, the importance that she has in the women's game and and in hockey in general. And she's someone who will like always take the time for people. and, And that's something that I really respect and appreciate about, you know, the greatest player mm-hmm. 
in the world. That level of right accessibility now. you do not get anywhere else. Like when no. I when I was playing professionally and we would come out of the locker room, you know, our games were at like eight, nine PM. We'd leave the Thornhill Arena, you know, if you're listening to that Thornhill community center. I've been there. Bit dingy, but yeah. there'd be the lobby and kids boys and girls waiting to interact with like yeah. these professional players with hockey cards, jerseys. They just want to have a two, three minute interaction. And that's actually what I probably missed most about when the league folded and I no longer played was, well, I mean, I didn't play much anyway. That's probably why I missed the interactions in the lobby. Hey, but you were on the championship team <laughs> yeah. though. Well, I mean, I, we were good. We were pretty good, but um, <laughs> just interacting, seeing the kids, like that's what it's all about. Right. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm hoping we get with the women's worlds coming up, you know, opportunity just to inspire that next generation. Maybe there's some positivity that comes from that, a little bit of a growth, maybe a league in the works. We'll see about that. Um, we do have lots to set up in the wake and rake, but we're going to have a little bit of a Charles Davis Friday for you. Lamar Jackson's situation, we teed it up a little bit, has gotten just outrageous. Um, apparently, there's somebody pretending to represent him named Ken Francis. Uh, we got we to gotta unpack that. Uh, the NFL issued a memo to warn people about it's like a phishing scam you know when well, like, he's you get, trying to get like a like a huge deal for lamar jackson yeah, to whoever ken is ken for there's so many memes on twitter it's alish really right good. now ken francis is just lamar jackson with glasses on yeah it, there's something going <laughs> on to there get the bag ken francis is a man or a myth or a legend that's trying to represent um lamar jackson we got to uh, unpack that and of course Tennessee lost last night to Florida Atlantic and upset. They were leading 27-22 at halftime and then they were outscored uh, massively in the second half. Unfortunately, they don't reach the the next round, but we did see Charles Davis on TV the other day in his Tennessee gear, so we got to ask him about his squad. Uh, we got to try to give him some positivity like he gives us every time he's on the air. Um, but then we'll do a wake and rake afterwards. So you got some time to send in your picks at 595-90. Raptors and Pistons. Man, you know who comes into town with something to prove? It's Dwayne Casey. Um, the Raptors, 7.30 p.m. tip-off tonight. You have some Sweet 16 as well. A couple games lined up there. Um, Frozen 4 continues as well. There's lots to pick from. 595.90, we'll get to that after we talk to our favorite, Charles Davis. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it, the final block of the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. It's your Friday send-off with Haley and Ailish. Haley filling in for Justin today and Monday, and then I'll have Brent Gunning for the rest of next week. Well, Justin is probably driving to the airport right now. What's up, Justin? <laughs> Enjoy your safe travels in to Costa Rica. Get some sun and come back ready to rumble because... Opening day is less than a week away. We're going to find out who's going to start for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they're going to be announcing that league-wide today in the new rollout attempt. We've got the Maple Leafs back in action against the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. We just talked to Justin Williams setting that one up. you got the Pistons here against the Toronto Raptors. Scotiabank Arena tip-off at 7.30 p.m. Um, that's always a battle between... We, we do something here on the show, Haley, where I always bet on the exes. So a, a guy okay. rolls into town that used to play for a team. 
I don't know what it is about Toronto, but they always end up scoring. You know, like sure. it's the former Leaf puts the puck in the yeah. net. You don't even, they never score a goal and somehow they come to Toronto and do it. Nick Ritchie loves scoring against Something the Leafs. Something like that, right? Something obscure just happens always when a team comes into Toronto. It must be something in the air. And Dwayne Casey and his Detroit Pistons, of course, love to beat up on the Raptors here at Scotiabank Arena. The Raptors are pretty heavy favorites tonight. Uh, they are in a must-win situation. 12-point favorites, minus 7.15 on the money line. So you probably know that the Pistons will at least cover or maybe win their plus 5.10. But um, that's tonight. That will be second game of a homestand that the Raptors need to win to get some headway here um, as they approach the play-in time. But just to keep your Friday vibes getting better and better. It's Charles Davis, NFL and CBS color analyst joining us this morning. Charles, I know last night was a tough, tough night for your Tennessee boys. Um, I just want to say we're here to bring the joy, the love, and the support as you work through these times. Ailish, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Justin, he figured it out when on vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Ailey, great to have you here. Thank you for coming <laughs> in and helping out. Wonderful. Yeah, tough one last night. It's one of those ones where, you know, the joy of beating Duke mm. went right down to the valley of, of losing to Florida Atlantic, who has a good ball club, but it just doesn't sound the same. Mm. But what are you going to do? You know, you pick yourself up, you move on. We've cried our tears. It's time to it's time to get going. So, so thank you so much for the support, though. I greatly appreciate it. Of course, anytime, Charles. Uh, we saw you on TV, though, the other day in your Tennessee colors. Were you trying to go incognito? Because they spotted you. They zoomed right in on you in the orange. And I said, that's Charles. That's Charles Davis. And it made my day. Oh, bless you. I was trying to blend in with the rest <laughs> of my Tennessee brethren. So I put on put on the big orange and, and, and wore it proudly and... Mm. Somehow they picked somehow they picked me out. I don't know how it works, but it turned out to be a lot of fun and, and it was a blast to be there and, and be with my people. You know, and, and here's the here's the best part. I ran into a basketball player from Tennessee by the name of Tony the Wizard. We called him the Wizard. Tony the Wizard White that I have not seen since graduation wow. in nineteen eighty six. So I probably saw Tony the last time sometime in nineteen eighty seven. And he was one of our better ball players during the time we were in school. We, you know, we shared, we had a dorm. We shared, you know, back then we had an athletic dorm. So we shared the dorm, good times. We had not seen each other since then. So we had the chance to have a little mini reunion. And that was really cool. Oh, you know, so sometimes special. you get some good things out of that too. Oh, that's really special. I mean, I, I know the feeling when you run into a, an old teammate or someone that you shared that the college experience with. It means a lot. So I'm glad you got to get that because, uh, you know, I don't know how much alumni reunions you get to go to with your busy schedule. So you got a little mini one there. Uh, that's really great. So we do have some NFL stuff to, to work through with you. The Lamar yeah. Jackson situation has just gotten stranger and stranger. Now we're hoping that you can help break it down for us because there's a man who pretends to be maybe Lamar Jackson's <laughs> agent, and I don't know what's going on there. So who is this we guy? We need help. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, Alish and Haley. We're all searching for this guy just if, if for no other reason to get him off the scene. Yeah. Because Lamar has made it very clear he is not speaking for me, don't know who he is. Because of this guy posing this way, the NFL has had to put out a memo to all 32 teams. This guy is not to be spoken with, dealt with. <laughs> You're still dealing with Lamar Jackson. 
because remember, Lamar has no agent mm-hmm. on record. He is his own representative. As, as we best understand it, it's him and his mom, and I'm sure he's got another representative or two talking with him, but he does not have a certified NFLPA agent on record. He's doing his own stuff. So when this guy popped up, we all went, whoa, whoa, because there's been a ton of conversation that maybe Lamar should have representation, that maybe this is part of the holdup with the contract, trying to get a deal done, teams you know, trying to negotiate, it's harder to do although I don't buy it, and I don't buy it for this reason. Remember Roquan Smith coming over from the Bears last year? He got traded to the Ravens during the season because he was upset with the Bears about his contract, et cetera, et cetera. He was with the Ravens approximately two weeks, and by the way, no agent representing himself and signed a new deal with Baltimore in about a two-week time. So it can be done. It's not like it can't. Are there some extra layers? Yes. But now we've now we've sussed out that this guy is a fraud. He's not to be dealt with. And as you as you both are putting out there, it has just added it added more intrigue to a crazy situation because I think we all want Lamar Jackson to be settled mm-hmm. and ready to play NFL football because he's fun to watch. Well, well, Charles, like, you know, maybe the last one on this Lamar Jackson situation, because Lord knows we've been talking about his contract situation and everything going on there with the Ravens for so long here. How does this kind of come to a conclusion? Like, how do you see the rest of this playing out for Lamar Jackson and, and for the Ravens, too? Haley, person's opinion, think that when the Ravens gave him the non-exclusive uh, franchise tag, that meant everyone in the league could negotiate with him. At the end of the negotiation, when all the offers were in or what have you, Baltimore had the option to match the best offer. So they always have what I call the pin last. But if they choose not to match it, Baltimore gets two first-round picks from the team that signs Lamar Jackson. So bottom line is, I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to get the Deshaun Watson $230-something million guaranteed contract. Will he get something that falls in line with Kyler Murray at 190 guaranteed? Uh, Russell Wilson, 160-something guaranteed? Hopefully. He has put out there, Haley, that I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, that he turned down $133 million guaranteed. So where does this fall? All I know for to me, Baltimore has all the cards, and they're either going to get two first-round picks or they're going to get Lamar Jackson. I think ultimately they'll get Lamar Jackson back. They'll be able to match the offer, and he'll play with Baltimore or he won't play. I guess from one kind of QB melodrama to the next, <laughs> what's the holdup with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? And, and I'm curious your opinion on how the saga – with Rodgers and the Packers has kind of impacted Green Bay's ability to maybe get to work and, and do some things in free agency. We've already seen some some kind of big guys off the board, other big name players kind of whittling down their lists of interests that they're that they're looking into. Green Bay's not really doing a whole lot. So what, what's kind of going yeah. on there? I think Aaron Rodgers in this case, I think he told Pat McAfee that Green Bay is dragging their feet on this thing. And I think in this case, he's actually right. Green Bay is eager to get as much capital back from this as possible. 
and they're, they're talking about first-round pick or picks. I don't think they'll get a single first-rounder. I don't think that's truly out there and on the table. I'm pretty sure the Jets are reminding them, don't forget we're taking $58 million salary off your hands, and that's Aaron Rodgers' salary. So the idea we're going to give you first-round picks at his stage of at the stage of his career, uh-uh. So I think the Jets, if they just kind of hang in there and stare at him across the abyss, ultimately I think it'll come their way. But uh, bottom line is I don't think it's just a holdup, Haley, about Aaron Rodgers. It's the idea that these free agents know Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there. Mm. So what am I joining in terms of a team? I'm joining a team that has an unproven quarterback. He may be a first-rounder, but as we all know, every first-rounder hasn't been great. So there's the uncertainty of going to them. And the Packers look more like a team that needs to rebuild as opposed to a team that two years ago we were talking about going to the Super Bowl. Remember, 13 wins, 13 wins, 13 wins. Then last year they cratered a little bit, even though they had a chance to make the playoffs late. They look like they're going in the opposite direction. I think that's impacting the free agents much more so than anything else. Who do you think he has the most leverage right now? Is it the Packers that you know kind of hold the keys to making this work, or maybe the Jets that have Aaron's public statement that I'm going to go play for this team and was just a waiting game in terms of who's going to bite first? Yeah, I think the Jets have more leverage just because the Packers now know and it's out there that Aaron is essentially gone. Just a matter of when is it when is it official? Where do you go? Packers are trying to claim some leverage back. By saying, well, we're not going to give you up for such and such. Okay, here's the flip side. Let's say the Packers hold firm. If we don't get that where he's not going, you know what Aaron Rodgers could turn around and do? Show up at Packers training camp with the intent to play. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, it is not. And, and by the NFLP, by, by, by the, you know, the bylaws and all the other stuff that goes with it, if he shows up at camp with the intent to play, the Packers cannot sit him out of practices. They can't say, no, you can't practice. All right. Now, what are you going to do? <laughs> Sorry, Charles. Last year, no, no, I mean, that's, 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 that's where we are. It, it, yeah. It's just such a such a stare down. But I think the Jets are holding more cards now because everyone knows he's going, and the Packers want him gone. But they're just trying to get that last bit out of people. I don't think they're going to get what they want. They'll get something, but I just don't think the first round pick or picks that they're looking for. I don't think that's in the cards. So, Charles, last year it was Kenny Pickett's hand size. This year it's yeah. uh, Bryce Young's height. Lots of, you know, <laughs> is it weird that he declined to do the weigh-in at Pro Day? I think there's lots of questions about his size and his weight. Uh, is he big enough for the Panthers to select him first overall? Um, and are we just making something out of nothing with these, like, arbitrary things about a guy's hands and, and how tall they are? <laughs> <laughs> Haley, it's such a weird league that essentially what we're saying every year is size matters, <laughs> okay? Because mm-hmm. that's that's what we come down to, right? And you pointed it out quite well. Let's go. Let's go. Quick recap: Kyler Murray when he came back, the whispers were that he was five eight and a half, five nine. How tall is he? He turned out to be five ten plus some change, and everybody went, "Oh, that's plenty tall enough." Then we had Kenny Pickett's hand, as you talked about. He measured; he was fine. Joe Burrow's hand size, because the optimal minimal size for a quarterback in the NFL standards is nine inches for your hands. Joe Burrow hit nine inches, and we went, okay, we're good. (laughs) The reason that all comes up is holding the ball in the pocket under duress, 
people coming after you, et cetera, et cetera. Small hand guys have had had trouble, blah, blah, blah. Height, again, the prototypical quarterback in the old days was 6'3", 220 pounds, 6'4", 220, you know, all that. We don't really have that now because we've seen smaller guys have success. Bryce Young weighed and measured at the combine. I think he was 5'10", plus a little bit of change. He weighed 204, which was stunning. That meant, you know, they didn't discover the bricks he had in his pockets or in his shoes or whatever he had them. But I talked to him at the Combine, and and I'm not the Oracle, Haley. I have a small relationship with the young man, but I just looked at him and laughed and said, 204? I said, you should never get on another scale again. (laughs) Did you pick him up and weigh him? (laughs) Never do it. Just don't do it. The number is on record. Yeah. You're done. And that's why, and, <laughs> and I knew that in his pro day, he wasn't stepping on a scale and he mm-hmm. also wasn't going to get a tape measure because different people are doing it and your numbers will come out differently. There was no reason. He hit 204. We're done here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because people were speculating. Look, I literally heard at the combine, you know, he played the red, you know, he played the second half of the season at 169 pounds. I heard that. <laughs> So, so that's why the weight comes in, Haley. Can he take a hit? Can he hold up in the pocket? The kid has played pretty well. He had a shoulder thing last year at Alabama, but he played through it. He will never get on another scale again for our benefit. <laughs> that thing is done. His number is 204, and that's what will be written down in the programs from here on out. And it was a smart move on his part. What he needed to do was throw, move, and show them what he had. And he did all of that quite well. And last thing is, you asked, is he tall enough to be drafted number one? Absolutely. To me, he's the best quarterback in this draft. To me, he's the number one player. I would take him at one if I'm Carolina. But I know that Frank Reich, their head coach, has always had big, big quarterbacks. And if that's the case and size does matter to Carolina, C.J. Stroud is certainly in play from Ohio State. It's one of those two. I don't think Anthony Richardson's in play. I'm pretty sure Will Levis isn't in play. Hendon Hooker's not in play. It's either Stroud or Young, Young or Stroud. Lots of intrigue down the stretch, uh, Charles. Don't worry, you still have the Tennessee women playing tomorrow versus number one Virginia Tech. So I'm hoping for that upset for you and we can keep going with the balls. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and Alish, as we go, since you are a Dartmouth Big Green mm. alum, Go Please send some, some, thoughts, some thoughts and prayers to your football coach, Buddy Tevin, yes, who had buddy. a horrific bicycle accident. And we're all praying for Buddy and, and hoping for his recovery. He's one of the finest men I know. He sure is. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. And we'll, we'll pray for the big green and play for, pray for Buddy. Haley, very nice talking with you. You take care of yourself. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Charles. We'll catch up soon. That's Charles Davis, NFL and CBS color analyst, Tennessee alumni dealing with some upset last night against Florida Atlantic, but he's still got the women in the bracket. So we're, we're rooting for his Tennessee squad. Um, he's right about buddy. Um, the Dartmouth big green head coach of the football team is in a, in a tough spot right now. So I appreciate the thoughts and prayers. The, Ivy League community banded together. He got in a really, really terrible bicycle accident. So we're hoping for the best for him. Um, all right. The Wake and Rake hit last night. We are on a one-game winning streak. <laughs> so let's keep it going, <laughs> Haley. So we got Raptors, Pistons tonight. The Sweet 16 continues. You have Frozen 4 also continuing today. Um, set up who maybe Minnesota will play moving forward. Or no, we have them, but uh, the other side of the bracket continuing today. So we got a lot of anchor picks to go through. Don't know if we're going to be able to read them all. Let's solidify what our picks are first, and then we can um, pop in the Wake and Rake anchor as we move forward. So 
Yeah, I know you're not usually in the wake and rake, but I gave you a little heads up that you're, you're picking a pick, I'm picking a pick, and we're picking a text line submission. So something you like tonight. There's three NHL games, quite a long slate of NBA, and then, of course, a couple of Sweet 16 games. Yeah, I think if I have to pick one, I think I'm going to go with the New Jersey Devils in regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the moves that they made at the deadline. Obviously, Timo Meyer uh, was the was the big bell of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Devils are playing the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres have lost three straight. They're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. Devils are coming off of an OT loss in their last game, but they're still putting the other points. They're 5-3-2 in their last 10. The Devils are trying to, you know, maybe clinch their playoff spot. They're trying to win the Metro. They're only two points back at the Carolina Hurricanes. So if the Leafs beat the Canes tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Devils beat the Sabres, then the Metro's getting even more interesting. Jostling at the top, jostling for for home ice advantage through the postseason. Um, Meanwhile, the Sabres, they're eight points out of the playoffs. The wild card race in the East is kind of a three-horse race now between the Penguins, the Panthers, and the Islanders. So I don't think you're going to see as desperate a Sabres team as you maybe would have when they were still legitimately in the race. It's kind of the the end game of the season now, final couple weeks, final 10 games, and I think the Sabres look a little bit deflated. So I'm going Devils in regulation. All right, I like it a lot. Um, that was certainly something I picked out. I'm going to go NHL as well just to keep it going here. Uh, Avs on the puck line. They're playing the Coyotes. Avs are at home. Avs are a much better team than the Coyotes, and um, it's not a lot of value, but I would like to keep a win going. So Colorado Avalanche on the puck line. That's a 9 p.m. game. Now I'm going to read just a couple of our anchor picks. So we don't have too long. Um, I highlighted some here. Ian says Princeton on the spread. Now that's actually one I have circled as well. I like that a lot. Um, I'm seeing it at a plus 10. He's got a plus 9.5. They're playing Creighton. Uh, the Blue Jays, though, so hard to bet against them, but I really like in Princeton as of late, of course, in Norell's story. So Princeton on the spread. He also likes Jakob Pertle over boards, um, 11.5. I think that might be one that I'm circling as well. Um, or over boards and assists, Booker over 28 points as well. Um, Devil's Mining Line, we're seeing an Abs Coyotes over. Now that's from Vic, Vegas, and Bolton. Um, we're also seeing... Corey from Port Hope saying New Jersey in regulation over Buffalo. Thank you, Corey. So there you go. Corey and you can share a brain. Uh, We got Marley's Moneyline pick from Stephen Sutton. I love when he throws a Marley's pick in there as well. Uh, We've got Corey from Waterloo saying Texas to beat Xavier. Um, If you're also feeling lucky, take Buffalo to beat New Jersey on the Moneyline. So now we're going against it with Corey from Waterloo, but you still have some text line support. Um, here's a good one. Tim Tom from the Schwa saying Pistons plus 12 and a half. Now I mentioned it's going to be one of those games, you know, the Pistons coming in town, Dwayne Casey versus the Toronto Raptors. 12 is a pretty length, a pretty big spread. I do like Pistons to cover. We have His a, records good against the Raptors. He, what, nine and three now? What is, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but it is a must win for the Raptors. Uh, another support for Texas to beat Xavier and Warriors on the spread. That's Jules and Ron, who of course love their Warriors. We've got Dylan Brooks under. That's Jeg and Scarborough. We always fade Dylan Brooks on the show. We've got Pascal over threes. Now that's Jeff and Barry. Um, not too much time to pick one. I think we should go from Raptors Pistons because we like to anchor from our, our text line um, yeah. in a Toronto game. So Jakob Pertle over rebounds is an option. There is the Pistons on the spread. And um, we've been trying to add Jakob Pertle into our picks as of late. Justin and I on the text line um, have really liked Jakob Pertle. He's been pretty steady. So I think just an executive decision 
then I'm going to go Yakka Pirtle over boards. Um, that's Ian. He's also got the Princeton pick as well. So um, I'm locking it in. I'm seeing it at over 10 and a half. So for me, loading that in, let's put our parlay together. We've got the Devils in regulation. That's your pick, Haley. Mm-hmm. I've got the abs on the puck line against the Coyotes. And then we're going to add um, Ian's pick in, Yakka Pirtle, over 10 and a half rebounds. He added 11 and a half, so even more value here, um, a little bit lower. Altogether, that's plus 441. That's your pick for today on your Wake and Rake Parlay. Um, Haley, thanks for joining this morning. It was a fun Friday. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of great guests. Um, we're going to have you back Monday morning. That's right. Justin Cuthbert is away um, until next week, the end of next week. So next next Monday, uh, we'll have Gunner for the rest of next week. But uh, a nice early morning for you. I appreciate oh, yes. you joining. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was you. a great day. Uh, we got Raptors and Pistons tonight. That's 7.30. You've got NCAA March Madness continuing. Um, lots going on here in the sporting world this weekend. Another great weekend of couch surfing. So I hope you enjoy it all. And we'll be back. Haley and I, Monday morning. Talk to you then. <laughs>